Hey everyone, welcome back to my Blackadian universe. I want to talk about this statement that's been floating around um, that, you know, certain politicians have been saying, like, I don't even, it's so funny because I'm like gagging on their names. Um, I kind of don't want to say them out loud. It's like, you know, a bad omen. It's sort of like, you know, saying Voldemort. <laughs> But, you know, like Haley and DeSantis, they're talking about um, America not being a racist country. And I take umbrage with that statement because um, America absolutely is a racist country. They um, are basing their political careers on that fact. People have built empires on that fact. And um, yeah, I take umbrage with it. So let's talk about it. So, uh, the thing for me is that saying that America is not, has never been a racist country is just, um, a lie, just pure uncut <laughs> lieatuity, just lies, lies. It's been, you know, well documented, um, for by many different professionals, sciences, studies, um, that racism has existed and is thriving in America um, to this day. And um, it's... To say that it is, you know, not the case is just uh, insulting to the millions of Americans who have suffered at, um, suffered racism and the injustice of racism, have lost their lives to racism. Uh, you know, this is, it's not an idea. Race is a social construct that, um, you know, America has built an empire from. And you have to be completely... ignorant and of your own history, of your country's history, um, to actually believe that statement. And then you should not be, you know, running for any kind of political office if that, those, if that's what you actually think. And the, that's like, you know, best case scenario is that you're completely unfit for this job. Um, to, you know, lead Americans who are suffering from this thing that you believe is a fallacy. Um, so, you know, just not, not at all capable. And, you know, you don't have any kind of skills for this job. Or you're making that statement um, for a purpose, for a gain to... 
um, alert people about, you know, who you're going to favor once you have power. And that's truly actually what I think that statement is about. It's about, you know, showing um, white supremacists that you're on their side and that, you know, they should get your vote because you're about um, maintaining this uh, institution of racism. And that's essentially what that statement is about. And so um, to have somebody use their platform to come out and say that something that has literally um, killed people is just not real makes me think that, um, you know, it makes me question your capacity for compassion and leadership and, frankly, humanity. Uh, it absolutely disgusting, disturbing statement. And I, I don't think that um, it has any business being uttered by anyone who claims that they are, you know, have some sort of grasp and uh, they're deserving of, you know, leading uh, a country and, you know, being responsible for governing. Just absolutely, absolutely uh despicable so uh just to switch gears here a little bit yeah this reminds me of a story like i was just chatting with my girlfriend um about uh you know barbados so for those of you uh who listen to the podcast and you know listen to me know that um my family's from barbados and uh we go often we visit often and, you know, uh, I was saying that, you know, one of the many things that I love about Barbados besides, you know, like the weather and like the food and my fam is uh, that everyone looks like me when I go there. You know, that's like one of the perks of going to a place um, where, you know, every year, you know, everyone looks like you it's just that you're like ah, you just you know I can just relax there in a way that's so different than here in Canada and I was saying like I um I didn't realize what it was you know because we went like every year when I was a kid and everything like that I was like I didn't realize what it was that I was feeling until I got older and it was this um uh, the fact that I'm an individual when I go there. So, uh, <laughs> I was saying like, uh, again to my friend, just 
me being me, I'm like, I imagine this is what it's like being white in Canada, like, or America. <laughs> you know, like, I am not subject to stereotypes here. Like when people see me in Barbados, the first thing they see isn't like the color of my skin. They don't make assumptions about me because I'm black. I'm not black there. And, and it's not like, you know, what I, what I mean by that is here in Canada, and America being black means something different there that there's like a label it I'm black first here I'm not like you know a woman a mother a human being I'm black first here in Canada and I feel that I feel that all the time there is a constant reminder that I have this label on me of race, which was created by white people to make assumptions about me, to put limitations on me, to put me in a box that's below them. I feel that every single day in Canada, there is a reminder of I'm not free to be just a human being and a person. I'm black first. And I love being black. I love black culture. I love being a black person. Wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But it is in this context of racism, it is exhausting. It is exhausting to have people assume they know something about you, about who you are and your value simply by the way you look and the color of your skin, very specifically the color of your skin, that the history of their evils and their wrongdoings and their, you know, excuse my language, fucked up mentality that they had to create to dehumanize you and make you into, you know, to enslave you and strip away you, you, your humanity, the way they had to create these categories to make that okay. And the fact that that lingers today on me, something that they made up, you know, it's a burden, it's a burden. And, you know, when I'm free of that, when I'm in Barbados and, you know, I am out, you know, out in the streets, you know, just walking around, I'm going into a shop, I'm, you know, traveling on a, like, you know, the minibus, you know, I'm out at the beach, people see me, they see, you know, me as like, I'm just, you know, a mom, I'm just, you know, uh, you know, person I'm just out and I can feel that difference where people just see me as like someone who's you know here to have a good time actually they <laughs> they could sniff it out they can tell they assume I'm American or like you know Canadian they can tell I'm not like you know local but uh, <laughs> you know I love that you know people ask me questions I get asked questions that I would never guess, get asked here. There's so much people 
presume to know about me here in Canada simply because of the color of my skin, but that gets stripped away. That gets stripped away in Barbados because I get to be, I get to be an individual and I, I can only say that, um, it's one of the highlights of, um, being a Barbados and I, um, you know, I said, I likened it to, you know, everything being built for me, you know, everyone, you know, things are like, uh, fit my culture. I was like this, I can only imagine this is what it's like being white. Like it's, I, you know, it's nice. It's freeing. It's freedom being an individual, getting that, um, that luxury. It's, uh, it's, it's very, very nice. And that's, you know, just another check in the how do I know uh, America is racist? Because when I leave, you know, North America, when I leave Canada, um, that racism is, um, stripped from me, I can leave it behind. And it's, uh, it's freeing. So I wanted to end by just talking about uh, this route uh, or this tactic that Americans are taking on dealing with their racist past. So uh, pretending like it didn't happen, pretending like it didn't exist is never good for anything. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, you know, um, Americans are trying to convince the world that they are, you know, guilt free. And it just, it's not the way to heal. It's not the way forward. Nobody would ever give you the advice in dealing with any kind of problem um, that you've encountered uh, to just ignore it and, you know, deny it, deny, 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 um, that um, it seems to be a uniquely American approach to dealing with, you know, their, the ills of their past. And it reminds me of the, um, a more healthy approach and something that I hope that, you know, America can embrace is, you know, the, um, they're called, uh, the, the, um, stumbling stones and it's, uh, uh, like, a it's in Germany, but it's also in other places in Europe where it's like a Holocaust remembrance, um, sort of, um, installment. It was sort of like an art piece, but it's more than that. It's sort of like a Holocaust remembrance monument. And so what happens is like, there's these, um, I think there's like a couple thousand or, you know, around that in Germany and it's like a little marker in stone and it sort of has, um, a victim of the Holocaust and it sort of has their name and location and they place them around the cities like in, you know, um, 
Hungary and Germany and uh, like Poland and Russia and like just places where people were taken and were victims of the Holocaust. And they say, you know, about, you know, um, their last place where they uh, lived before they were, you know, um, victims of the war. And so I thought this was such a beautiful idea because um, it's sort of like a modern way of remembering. It's not just, you know, in a museum. It's just uh, out in um, the world right now where everyone can sort of, you know, while they're out and living their life, they can, um, they have this reminder of what happened in this place, what happened. It's sort of like a living monument of saying this is part of our history this is a part of our um you know city country this is part of what happened here and it's not running away from it it's not hiding from it you know it's um acknowledging it and so you know how many people walk by there how many people are going to read those names, how many people are going to think about them, how many people are going to reflect about what that was like, you know, families, children having conversations with their families about what these stones represent. And I, I always think how, um, brave, how courageous that, you know, people aren't running from this, but uh, looking at it head on and, you know, not, um, you know, denying that this was part of who they are. This is part of their history. And it makes me hopeful, you know, that they're not going to be doomed to repeat it because they're trying to, well, they're definitely acknowledging it, um, but they're also trying to, you know, not do double duty on, you know, not only just, you know, committing these horrific crimes, but then also on top of that, just trying to wipe it from existence. That's not how history works. It's just not how it, it did happen. These things are real and they, we can learn from them. We can try to make things better, but what we shouldn't be doing is trying to sweep it under, under the rug because it's, going to make some people feel uncomfortable. Um, that's not how we grow. That's not how we become better. That's not how we use our power and our privilege. Um, America, you know, has long believed itself to be the greatest nation in the world. And, um, they, the definition of greatness has changed. And um, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, America can change with the times and sort of 
evolve and grow and understand that equality and um, the eradication of racism is truly the path to greatness. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and be sure to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss an episode of uh, a Placadian podcast. And I will talk to you next time.